Hello and welcome to Binge Lit. I'm Grace. And this is Anya. And today we are chatting about... The power. The power. I got the power. (laughs) You're welcome. It is a book by Naomi Alderman. Mm -hmm. And it is a new series on Amazon Prime. We read the book so you don't have to. We read the full book. You honestly only needed to read the first half. That's true. So disclaimer here at the beginning, the show only covers like the first half of the book. We read the whole thing. We don't want to spoil it for you. So we won't happen. We won't tell you what happens in the second half of the book. Yeah. But we may like accidentally mention it in passing. That's like a really difficult for us. To not yeah. It's say just anything. hard. Well, I think it's also, and like, as we talk about it, I think it'll become kind of obvious, but like, because they split it up, the first half is basically just like setting up a lot of things that then happen in the later half. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we definitely might be spoiling things accidentally because it's hard to talk about the setup without really talking about the yeah, outcome. Yeah, I was actually almost kind of confused when I was watching the show that they ended it where they did because it felt like you've just placed the dominoes, but you ha- none of them have really fallen. Yeah, so, yeah, true. But I also think if you read the book... Mm-hmm. They stopped it at such an interesting point because they really hyped up that dra- drama and kind of yeah. left us on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And so me personally, I am just like, oh, please, God, let them get renewed for a season I two, know, right? which we'll talk about later. But yeah. come on, Amazon. Yeah, come that would through. be so crazy if they didn't. Yeah. Did you know that Amazon, um, they cut Paper Girls? They're I not- did hear that. Yeah. Really big bummer. And I also heard that they renewed... One of our favorite shows, A League of Their Own, but only for four episodes and not a full season. Oh, wow. So, so they're a closing it season. out. Yeah. Okay. Which is a big bummer because we also, we loved both of those shows. Yeah, both those shows were great. It's, it's tough out there. It is. For a show. <laughs> well, the thing is, and I, and we can like, t- and I think it's the same for this show a little bit, is just these shows were great. But the marketing was bad. Yeah, for sure. I, w- I thought that the marketing for this was very poor. Yeah. But because, I mean, I went into the book and I actually did struggle with the book from the beginning just because mm. there's like a lot of really dark and difficult things that happen at the beginning. There's a lot of violence. And, um, but then once I understood what, what it was, which is kind of like a really interesting like sci-fi thought experiment, I was like, oh, this is fun. Okay, now I'm on board to like see how all of these things play out, how the chips fall. And Naomi Alderman does a really great job of like setting these dominoes and then tipping yeah, them. Yeah, she really does. And so it's really fun, but I don't feel like the marketing of the show really explained that to you. Like that is kind of like a psychological thriller almost sometimes. Yeah. And, um, that, I don't know, like, I just felt like the, the, like, even, like, down to the logo, like, I thought the logo was bad. Well, that's what I thought. Like, to me, I feel like they were really trying to, like, rely on the popularity of this, like, book club book, like, back, like, five years ago. Yeah. But I was like, that was so long ago, people don't really remember. Yeah. And so, yeah, just, like, not having, because the book, I feel like as soon as I like read the synopsis of what this show was, yeah. then I remembered like the cover art of the book with like the hand yeah, and the, the hand. electricity coming out, mm-hmm. which like means so much. Cause like when you, when you see that you like question it and it makes you like want to like understand what's going on. Yeah. And I feel like just having like the pink, the power, but like, just, with, like, like distressed impact font, like, yeah, it was a weird choice. Like it didn't. I think that the the logo and a lot of the ads didn't really tell you anything about it enough to be like, 
interesting. Yeah, it just didn't even, like, pique your curiosity. Yeah. So if you aren't aware, because I, I don't know if people are, yeah. the kind of a brief synopsis or the setup of it, of this, like, sci-fi thought experiment, kind of, is what if suddenly and without warning, all teenage girls all around the world develop the power to electrocute people at will? Like yeah. a taser. Yeah. Out of their hands. Just, like, overnight, all of a sudden... These uh-huh. women start growing like a specialized organ, and they can give it to. So, like, it's every all the women between like twelve and nineteen get it. Yeah, but then they can give it to all older women. Yeah, because it's like dormant in their bodies. They just have to like activate. They have to it. activate it. So they'll like come up to them, and it's this like really impactful scene whenever it happens. But they like touch their hands to the other's chest and kind of like they're like clavicle. Give them yeah. like a pulse, and then they're like. And oh. they're like oh. <laughs> And they're awake. And then they have the power and then they can do little sparks of electricity out of their fingers. I know it's so fun. (laughs) It's so fun. And over the course of this, there's like a lot of characters. Like there's a lot of things that happen and there's like a lot of characters. Yeah. Cause well, they tell this story from like, like the multiple multiple perspectives there's like five main characters yeah essentially i have six or sorry yes that's fine um so just to start there's Allie. yeah who is like an orphan girl in the american south yeah she was in foster care she had a really rough go yeah it's a really sad story that's what i was really struggling with when i first read it i was just like oh my god this story is like traumatic and she has like a voice in her head that can tell her things that she wouldn't otherwise know and yeah but it seems like this voice also like came to her when the power trauma trauma. yeah yeah and when the power came to her yeah like they both kind of like awaken like simultaneously yeah Yeah. so that's very interesting there's roxy monk i love i love roxy she's actually my favorite um roxy is the daughter of a london gangster oh yeah he's bad he's bad and she's pretty rough around the edges well and she goes through such a traumatic like opening scene yeah like i remember where i was it was like outside of like the salt lake airport waiting (laughs) waiting for my flight listening to this scene and just being like oh my gosh because Mm -hmm. It's this poor girl who all of a sudden these guys just like break down their door and like rush in and were obviously sent there to try and kill her mother. Mm-hmm. And she's like trying to protect her mom. And then all of a sudden she gets this like electricity feeling. And yeah. then that's how she is introduced to the power. Right. Yeah. So it's like a really traumatic event. And I thought that the casting of that actress for Roxy was incredible. Yeah. Um, her name, that actress's name is Rhea Zamotrowitz. I don't know how to pronounce that name. No, it's very <laughs> Polish. Um, she's like, uh, like a London. She's an actor for the stage primarily. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. She, I, I thought she was incredible. I just thought she. Did a I really thought good she job. did an incredible job. She nailed the accent. She nailed everything about it. Like it was just like this is exactly who I picture for Roxy. Like, yeah, to a couldn't team. picture anyone else in that role. Yeah, is incredible. Um, so she did really well. Uh, then there is margot cleary lopez margot yeah who is the mayor of seattle which was fun it was so well because <laughs> in the book she was like the mayor of like wisconsin or so, like somewhere in wisconsin it was like it oh, was she yeah it wasn't in seattle in the book so oh, that's something they changed they in the made show. it seattle in the show yeah i didn't but even i thought realize. that was fun yeah yeah um so she's the mayor of seattle in the show she's played by tony collette who we love. We love her our she was lives. Great. Yeah. <laughs> There's and she did a great job. Once they got 
like once you see her it's like okay that makes sense i yeah. really like what she did with that um and her husband is played by john leguizamo and i actually love john okay, leguizamo so he looked so familiar to me but for some reason i just like can't place him where is he so he's been in a bunch of movies so he was in the menu as an actor yeah wait who in the who was he in the menu he was the actor that was like really like too big for like had the ego (gasps) with the young girl yeah okay like the assistant or whatever yeah yeah. um you know that role actually fun fact that role in the menu was originally played supposed to be played by daniel radcliffe playing himself stop it i love this (laughs) i love daniel radcliffe i also okay i know we're going on a side tangent here but i really want to see he was just in the weird al yankovic like docu like yeah and i really want to see that also weird side tangent he just had a baby oh yeah he's a father you know i feel like since i grew up with daniel radcliffe i feel like i know him i know and i'm just like i'm so happy for him yeah i did hear a crazy rumor that is unsubstantiated i do not know if it's true oh but i heard that share it widely let's go Let me just, just let me just not get to stop us. <laughs> I heard remember that J.K. Rowling was at the hospital when the baby was delivered. Oh, and wanted to see the baby, and they were like, "Did no. he invite her?" Oh, okay, so she just showed. Well, she up. wanted to see the baby, like, f- like one of the first people to see the baby, and they were like, "No, no, no." We need to let wow. our family see the baby. Well, first. yeah, that's a very presumptuous. See, that's why I feel like this is an unsubstantiated claim wow that is crazy i can't believe she would do that yeah we're not gonna fact check that we're just gonna leave that there oh <laughs> um but you know who else john leguizamo is his most famous role in my book is he played the voice of sid the sloth in ice age <gasps> <laughs> that's him you he can never leave it behind that. that's incredible i, I loved sid the sloth ice age is for so the ages. good ice age is way underrated i think i agree yeah a lot of people are like no like monsters inc is like by far the best i'm like i don't know ice age guys i mean i like monsters inc i really don't want to hate on monsters inc but i just think that ice age i'm not hating on monsters inc i think monsters inc is a masterpiece i just think ice age doesn't get the love it deserves means more to me like if we're talking you know i feel like we we bring up some movies from our childhood that we love a lot you know like emperor's new groove love it nothing again like still should be on that list but ice age should be alongside emperor's new groove i think yeah anyway back to the power <laughs> <laughs> i just um, realized we were like i was like i don't even know who are, we, who are you talking about oh yeah margot's husband yeah john leguizamo and that character who is plays? in the book but like only barely but then they cast like a major actor for the show and major like, actor okay. and they gave him a major role yeah, in the they really, show really beefed up his role for yeah. the show which i don't know how i feel about that honestly i thought he did good i liked it but that means because i like him I guess, okay, so they beefed up his role, and we're not really mentioning him, but, like, he, they have a brother, like, so Joss is her daughter. Yeah. Um, and they... We haven't gotten there yet. I yeah. know, we ha- I'm skipping ahead. <laughs> but they, they have a son, and mm-hmm. he kind of, like, once all these women get the power, joins this kind of, like, questionable online hate group. Yeah, it's like a 4chan. Yeah, and then yeah. the dad... And so that is like a new kind of storyline that gets built out in the show. And then the dad has his storyline where he's like really on the mom about like work life balance all the time. Yeah. And I don't know, to me, it just really stressed me out. Well, I think that that's those family scenes. And so that's, that's what I struggled with in the show. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I love this. I mean, I think it was realistic and stressful. Yeah. 
Um, so you mentioned there's Joss, Jocelyn, yeah. who is her daughter. And that is played by Auli Cravalho. And she did so well. You know who that is? No. That is the voice of Moana. <gasps> <laughs> Whoa. Moana was in this show all Whoa. along. Yeah. <laughs> she really did well. I know. I've well, actually been she, following Ali Corella because I, I thought she did so incredible. No, she yeah. is incredible. And honestly, like her storyline, like I'm telling you this, all of these storylines are pretty sad and fucked up. Yeah. But this family is like really heartbreaking. Yeah. And so like she has the power and she's the one who, like, gives it to her mom. But, like, her yeah. power, she, like, can't control it. Yeah. And so she's, like, in a family where her mom is, like, a politician mm-hmm. fighting for the, the, like, power rights. And her, and, like, her brother is, like, very anti-power. And, like, she can't even, like, control it. It's so confusing. It is really hard. Well, like, and her boyfriend, which we'll get into, like, he has the power and it's just complicated it, yeah she's in a complicated situation she has a very complicated relationship with her mom yeah which, i mean it's a mother-daughter complicated relationship yeah it was very stressful to watch yeah but i love her i'm really rooting for her no she did great. i want her to play like more like romantic leads in things you know like i would love yeah. to see her in that type of, like a teen romantic lead oh i'm sure that'll happen for yeah, her she's really good yeah um then there's Tatiana Moskalev. Yeah. It's the next character on our list. And she is like the trophy wife. Yeah. Of so the she was. Yeah. But like a reluctant trophy wife. Yeah. She wanted to be like a gymnast. Yeah. So she, yeah, exactly. She was like on her way to the Olympics. And then he just like saw her practicing in the gym. Yeah. And was like, I want her. Yeah. And so then he just decided to marry her. Mm-hmm. And she got really mad at her mom. Because mm-hmm. her mom kind of just, like, shipped her away. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's just a sad story. So she's kind of, like, stuck with this husband who she hates, who's, like, a president of a horrible country. Yeah. And, and she's just, like, well, the the actress described it. I watched an interview with the actress. Oh, did you? Yeah. And she's she's Croatian. And she's pretty popular, I think, in Croatia. Okay. And she described the character as a sex trophy wife of the president. Ugh. Which is yeah, true. She's like so a sex true. trophy. Yeah. It's so sad. And like, yeah. yeah. And like, there's a really sad scene where her mom comes and visits her in the palace. Yeah. And that they, was really hard. Yeah, yeah. They get into this big fight and then like, you find out that her sister was like sex trafficked. Yeah. It's, it's a hard, like all of these stories are so heartbreaking. I know they really are. They're really difficult. And then our final character, the only man that's featured throughout the entire story oh, from his perspective but the best man is tune day <laughs> we the love best him man. we do love him and for ted lasso's fans yeah you will recognize him as the beloved sam as sam we love him we is love played sam. by Tawib jamo i may have mispronounced it but i think i pronounced it right uh, maybe i'm wrong i don't know i'm not sure um but we love him he's we, one of our favorite parts of, yeah of this show and of ted lasso which yeah. is really saying something. And I think, and yeah, I, I agree. I'm actually really impressed with this guy because I feel like the only thing I've ever really seen him in is Ted Lasso. And yeah. he plays, like, the character is, like, somewhat similar, but it's very different. Yeah. Like, I would say it's, like, a 
it's a different it's role a, for sure yeah. yeah and he does them both so well but yeah. like oh, he's no, incredible i feel like this guy him. is gonna be a major movie star like i agree I think he, and he's he a-list be. material oh 100 and i think that like i want to see him as a romantic lead i want to see him as an action lead i want to see him do dramas like i want to see him in all kinds of different things i think he has the range yeah like and when he does i'll be there i'll be rooting for him we love him. i want to marry him i think he's great yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no he's he's absolutely incredible yeah incredible so i think he does a great job as tunday i think that that casting was also spot on because if it's you, supposed to be an extremely likable marry him though you guys would be like the real life uh sam and rebecca i know you're always saying that i look like rebecca or i am like rebecca and Ugh. that's an en- enormous compliment i just so- love rebecca <laughs> and i love sam and i really want that storyline to happen so I i'm know. manifesting it I mean, into existence <laughs> we are behind on ted lasso so i know we, we could potentially know i know but i feel like i haven't no i'm actually caught up on ted lasso oh so i'm caught up i'm not caught up yeah so, I mean, there's more episodes that are, like, actively coming out. So, I'm just, like, speaking that into the... Beam. We are recording this before the season finale. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So, those are our characters. We have Ali, Roxy, Margot, Joss, Tatiana, and Tunde. Mm-hmm. And they really go through some shit. Yeah. It's and a lot. it's... I don't even really know where to start with that. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, it's, like, interesting, because they all do have their own, like, separate Mm storylines, but then they do start to, like, intertwine, Mm -hmm. so... So one thing I did find that was fairly interesting was that the author really put kind of like a lot of thought and care into like all these six different characters. Okay. Um, And so basically she wanted to show like how there are like different types of power Mm. and how like power can kind of like manifest and have its like own trajectory um Mm. in different ways and so she decided to do that by like having those like six different characters so Mm -hmm. for the first one um for roxy Mm -hmm. she like as you said like her dad is like a mafia boss and that's how we're like introduced to her Mm -hmm. and so that like through that character she was really showing like the power like of crime Mm -hmm. um and because of roxy's whole storyline it's really her and kind of her entering deciding to like become part of her like crime family yeah she's right? trying to enter the crime family the yeah yeah because we see that like as her, she's like reve- like kind of uh re- not revenging getting revenge <laughs> getting revenge yeah seeking revenge for like whoever killed her mom mm-hmm. and then through that she starts she's like kind of has like a fucking attitude and joins up with her dad. Cause her dad's the one who reaches out and mm-hmm. consoles her. Right. And so he reaches out and consoles Roxy. And in doing that kind of like brings her into this like new dynamic with his current family, which mm-hmm. is a different wife, a different wife and three brothers. And I believe they're all older than her. Yeah. So she was definitely the product of an affair, yeah. which is why his original wife is not a huge fan of Roxy. Yeah, I think they say several times in the book, don't they say that, like, the it's probably the youngest one, I think. Her, the youngest brother was born, like, is the ex- almost exactly the same age as her. Okay. So basically, like, he was out there, like, getting another one... Pre- uh, the dad was out there getting another woman pregnant at the same time that his wife was pregnant. And so the wife has always been resentful 
of Roxy and her mother. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, it, we go on and, like, over Roxy kind of, like, seeking out revenge for her mom, mm-hmm. one of her brothers, unfortunately, gets killed. Yeah. Um, in an altercation. And so you have the mom of that brother really react very strongly towards Roxy, but there's a mm-hmm. lot more going on there than just, like, her son dying. Yeah. And well, there's and Ro- a deep hate between these two women and There the really show. is. Well, and Roxy goes on this whole journey of kind of, like, learning the... Like, she kind of goes from, like, not really knowing very much about what her dad does. No. And the crime life that he's in, but enjoying the benefits of being his daughter. Um, and to really understanding, like, the consequences of her actions. Yeah. And it's, like, it's a rough journey because she has to really live through a lot of consequences, including her own, like, half-brother being killed because yeah. of her, essentially. Yeah. And, and the, yeah. And the interesting thing about Roxy, which is also, like, another point that the author was kind of trying to show is and you notice throughout all these characters is everyone has like a different varying degree of the power mm-hmm. so roxy's power in its like raw form is actually the strongest out of all the characters in this in this book and series mm-hmm. um which is really it really comes into play mm-hmm. and i'm so excited and really want there to be season two because the second half gets so fascinating it really does um but yeah so roxy's just so strong so basically she is now taking over this like criminal empire right and so it's really she's really benefiting from this power but she's also sharing it with mm-hmm. others like so she's on social media like teaching girls how to like harness it and yeah. really develop it for themselves and that's actually what then gets roxy introduced to the, our other characters in the show yeah so she, her path crosses with ali yes um who is ends up being who takes on this moniker of mother eve ali ends up representing like religion yeah so that's yeah and that's exactly what she intended uh, for this character she wanted like the religious like power aspect because mm-hmm. a lot of these characters are, she's making like a social commentary and mm-hmm. so she we're seeing Allie who's becoming a prophet and some people believe her to be like a false prophet or they're like not really sure mm-hmm. but then it is like it's interesting because there is kind of there's like evidence to think that she's legit yeah because when the power surfaces within her, like, as Mm -hmm. we said earlier, so does this like internal voice that Mm -hmm. essentially like guides her. Mm -hmm. So she was being abused in this foster home. Mm -hmm. And then during like a moment of abuse, like the voice comes to her Mm -hmm. and basically tells her to like kill this man. Right. To, and get out of here. Right. And she does, and she runs away and the voice guides her to where she needs to be, to where she needs to be, which is, not a monastery like a nunnery (laughs) an abbey an orphanage an orphanage essentially yeah yeah because by this point like all of these girls have been getting these powers so a lot of like young girls have been kicked out of their homes you know what they call it they call it a home for wayward girls a home for wayward girls (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's so interesting yeah it is interesting and because mrs kim runs it i know lane's lane's mom from gilmore girls was the biggest star casting of this entire I thing love her. perfect casting she did a great job we love her incredible and she is kind of like antagonistic towards Allie yeah well, and, which she does so well yeah <laughs> and I think she it's just like so well done because I think like you really need that 
counterbalance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because all the girls start buying into Allie. Yeah. And, and even the other nuns. following her as a prophet. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so she's kind of the only like devil's adv- advocate being like, hey, now. Yeah. Are we sure? Yeah. <laughs> and she makes some fair points, she I guess. She really does. Um, well, then does margot represent like the power of government yeah so she's like the political like power and like corruption so it's interesting because the author did say like when this book was being published um it it was being published in the uk she is british um Mm -hmm. but it was it was like right before uh trump got elected Mm -hmm. and so this whole time like as she was like writing this Mm -hmm. she was writing it with the vision that this would come out and Hillary Clinton would have been the first uh, president of the United States. Oh. First female president. Yeah. So Margot is actually really based off of Hillary Clinton. Oh my God. I had no idea. Yeah. And so the whole point of this character and like this expression of power, um, which I know we're going to talk about Margaret Atwood later mm-hmm. um, because the author is British and so lived under Margaret Atwood. Mm-hmm. But her point with Margot, not Margaret Atwood, Margaret, Thatcher. Thatcher. Oh my God. <laughs> we have Margaret Atwood on the brain. I know. <laughs> Margaret know. Thatcher. What did you think? <laughs> Yesterday, yeah. that oh was Colleen Atwood. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Margaret Thatcher. That- oh my God. Margaret, Margaret Thatcher. Anyway. So basically, yeah, Margot's supposed to be Hillary, like based off of Hillary Clinton. And the whole point is, and I feel like if you've read the entire book, you'll get this a lot more than just seeing like the first half of her career that you see in the show. But basically the whole point is political power and political power can corrupt. So even though we like have a woman in charge, Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily just a win. Like we right. still need like an inca- like someone who's accountable. Yeah. So that's what she's really trying to show okay. with the Margot character. Does this make Joss Chelsea? I guess so. Oh Honestly, I think so. Oh my god, that's so fun. I love Chelsea. Clinton. But then she really took a, a a right turn with Rob because yeah. he's definitely not a bill. No, not at all. But that's yeah. okay. But, but it's interesting because she was like she was like. I wouldn't have expected because there was a, such a long break between when the book came out and then the, the show came out. Yeah. But she's like, it's actually like even more relevant now. Yeah. Because especially with like Roe v. Wade and like, like when the COVID. Politically, yeah. Yeah. And so it's like interesting and the rise of like Q and like, it's just interesting. Yeah. It is very interesting. We'll get into that more. Uh, so yeah. So Tunde, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious because he actually doesn't have like he's like male and so doesn't have a skein. And so he is actually unable to have the power. And so he's like going through a whole period where his world is like shifting and he's seeing like women starting to kind of like fight and gain more power. Mm -hmm. And so, and he's just documenting everything. Yeah, He's a journalist. And so his only power is like, through that documentation right so that's like what well, so he's like the power of the news and the power of the yes. news media well then we have tatiana and joss left right and i have some speculation about what i think their powers are related to oh yeah well so tatiana i mean i think that she kind of represents like the power of sex and sex appeal for some for like people in power i guess yeah i um, think so i also think she just i think tatiana is a really good example of how how power can kind of like corrupt and Mm -hmm. because she does she becomes very violent with it yeah it's definitely like 
she's scorned and she's yeah out for retribution yeah hundred percent yeah yeah well i think that joss is one of the most interesting characters because in some ways i feel like joss is kind of like representing like the power of love like she like the like the power her power brings her together with her boyfriend who is we find out in the course of the story intersex and so he actually can he has developed his own skein and use can have his own powers yeah and she like continues to really love him anyway even despite like I don't know, all kinds well, of scrutiny because she's, she's the daughter of a public figure. Well, not only and, that, like she just doesn't even have like control over her power. Yeah, it's and she seems to be like the only one. And mm-hmm. what did her? She had like a friend who then mm-hmm. kind of like turned her back on her. Yeah, and called yeah. her a name. What was it? It was like Flicker it was like, or something, or like Fizz or Fizz. Something. Yeah, but at the beginning the the friend the friend at the beginning was like, I think that because like the power kind of comes on and waves with certain yeah. people, and so so Joss gets it as one of the first people, and then but her friend didn't get it. And her friend was like, I heard that you only get it if you've been like masturbating, and that's like her what's friend wrong is with crazy. You. And the, and so she was like, uh. <laughs> and then but then later her friend gets it, and then her friend becomes a bully as soon yeah. as she has it and so i mean it is like a story about how like once you have power you don't like like really morality gets really like whatever morality you thought you had you kind of lose to the power sometimes yeah and well that's the whole and uh, yeah and i know that that's what like the author was really trying to show is like mm-hmm. power is great but like it doesn't matter like whoever wields it like ultimately there mm-hmm. needs to be checks and balances. Yeah. Well, and that was and the most important things that the author wanted to, like the most important messages that the author had um, was that she was kind of like women and men aren't that different. Like women aren't more moral or more ethical than men. And like, they're not worse. They're not better. They're just the same. And so if you give them power over other people, they will ultimately use it the same. And I think that that is like a really interesting thing. Yeah. So do you want to get into the author? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Okay. I have a quote from her, the uh-huh. author, just that just like backs up exactly what you were saying. Okay. All unbridled power will destroy us. Whoa. 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 That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was such an extreme quote. It is an extreme quote. Uh, but you know what? This The whole story, this entire book and show is really extreme. Yeah. So about the author. Yeah. Okay. So no, 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 no. So I did mean, I said Margaret Atwood, but I made a mistake. I meant Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. Because her whole thing is like, we want to see like women have power and women in politics, but that like... Margaret Thatcher said that. No, 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 no. The author. Naomi Alderman said that. Naomi Alderman. And that's kind of the point she was trying to make with the Margot character. Uh Uh-huh. Is, like, we want these women in places of power so they can make policy. Sure. To, like, help women kind of regain that balance back. Sure. Um, But she's like, we do also need checks and balances because just, like, gender isn't the be-all, end-all. Uh-huh. So, because she grew up in the UK under Margaret Thatcher, the politician, the Uh first female prime minister Uh of the UK. And so it wasn't all, like, sunshine and rainbows. Uh Uh-huh. Like, it didn't, like, her government actually... I mean, I guess it depends, like, where, complicated. You, where you lie politically. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was her point that she was making. I so, yeah. see. So, yes, I meant Margaret Thatcher. 
You met and Margaret Atwood. I was trying we to... were very confused. <laughs> yeah. We figured it out. It's just ironic that she has touchstones for both Margaret Thatcher and Margaret Atwood. I know. So she. Well, you know what? The British. That's true. Wait, no, Margaret Atwood's Canadian. Uh, yeah, I was going to well, say no, Margaret Atwood. Yeah. So Margaret Atwood okay, is tell me the about Margaret author, Atwood. and you are going to know Margaret Atwood from things like A Handmaid's Tale. That she's the author yep. of that. She's very famous. And Naomi Alderman actually has a close connection with really? Margaret Atwood. A close connection? Yeah. So they were paired together for a mentorship program. Whoa! And Margaret Atwood actually mentored Whoa! Naomi Alderman. Yeah. You know what? I see it. <laughs> I see the well, influence. Not only that, you know, neither of us realized she actually dedicated this book to, Na- to Margaret Atwood. <laughs> <laughs> and because she and uh, she and margaret would actually communicated over the course of several years Stop about it. this book yeah no they were friends they communicated over several years you know what i and knew i loved this book get this they actually the two of them co-wrote <gasps> a book together which is called the happy zombie <gasps> sunrise home Okay, we're reading it for the pod. <laughs> okay, we're going to have a follow-up and episode. They published it together in 2012. They self-published it. I'm sorry, what is it called? It, the Happy Zombie Sunrise Home. They self-published it on Wattpad, which is a fan fiction Whoa. website. No, I know what Wattpad is. <laughs> Whoa. They published it together in 2012. Wait, I think we need to read this. I, I'm very curious. The Happy Zombie Sunrise I, Home. I'm honestly surprised you didn't read it for this pod. I didn't. Yeah, you but know, we didn't it didn't have even time. occur to me. We didn't have time. <laughs> no, that's a lot of work. Okay, but I think. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, it is interesting. So, okay. Naomi Alderman, the author of this book, sees herself as part of like a feminist sci-fi genre. So she yeah. she well, cites that makes sense. a lot of references in books where there are like planets that have no gender. Or oh. planets that have five genders. Whoa. And like really think outside the box with gender. So I think that that's really interesting. I was like, I want to read those books. I got to well, go find I, that out. Have you read any of her other works? So she, her other work, her other novel is uh, Disobedience. Right. Which I never read, but that was turned into a movie with Rachel Weiss and Rachel McAdams. And I also haven't seen it. I did see Disobedience. Did you? Yeah, okay. I think you'd be really interested I don't, in it. I actually don't even know if I really heard about it. It kind of... It, well, it's kind of like an indie movie, I think. Okay, because I read about it, like, doing research about the author. Yeah. And I was surprised. I was like, I love Rachel McAdams. Like, I'm so surprised. And I, I love Rachel Weisz. Come on. Yeah, honestly. I was like, um, how did I not hear about that? I don't know, but it's also a really interesting story. So it's okay. the story of um, a rabbi's daughter in London. So oh. um, the, the author, Naomi herself, is the daughter of um, Orthodox Jewish heritage in London. And so she's like, there's a little bit of that, that like my background, but she's like, this is, it's not autobiographical. Do you think she views herself as like the Roxy in this story? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. So her dad is an expert in Anglo Jewish history. He's a historian. Interesting. Okay. And so disobedience is like the story of like a woman who's bisexual and coming back into her like Orthodox Jewish community for a visit. Oh, and that's like what it's about. <laughs> so no, that's fa- I'm, this is so fascinating. It is very interesting. I didn't realize. Well, cause yeah, I'm just realizing like, because I didn't pick up on the fact that Roxy was Jewish in the book. Mm. I only picked up on that in the TV show. I also only in the TV show. Yeah, you're right. And so I was like, when they, 
and they like made it a point and so i was like oh i'm i mm-hmm. i wonder like what the, what the point was being made yeah but i don't know is there a big like jewish mafia in london i really don't know there isn't peaky know. blinders oh well then i guess that answers our question the answer is yes we're um, gonna be blinders uh so then naomi's other background in writing she used to be a video game writer whoa yeah it's like the so, last of us exactly exactly so she used to write video games and I, when, as soon as i read that i was like oh that really explains some of like the action sequences it really does like, there's a lot of action sequences and they really make sense well, in especially a video game with Day. yeah like yeah. the media oh, like, yeah. aspect of it mm-hmm. like the way like all of that was shot mm-hmm. and him going around in all these cities in the yeah. middle of like a whole yeah. rebellion yeah i thought that was really interesting um but what she also had to say about that was you know we were we mentioned mentioned earlier the uh, urban docs which is oh, like a the, kind of like QAnon a 4chan type. QAnon stand-in yeah. she said that when she was writing this book that was before like QAnon when she was writing this book she was influenced by Gamergate because she was a video game writer and working oh. in video games and so she was like it was it, that that took place while she was in the process of writing the book Whoa. and so that you know Gamergate is like when a number of women working in video games were targeted yeah. for harassment and so Urban Docs is intentionally is kind of like a composite of multiple different users she saw in gamer game whoa that makes so much sense yeah so yeah like it, she really pulled from that experience it makes a lot of sense and it's so sad that it's still it's, it's still so relevant. relevant well it really <laughs> yeah. just goes to like her own point saying like i wrote this book <laughs> i wrote this book like before trump was elected and it's like now he's not even president anymore and it's more relevant yeah than it ever was yeah how was she supposed to know that like 14 so, 18 QAnon so... would all take off fascinating yeah you know they should well, take also some like notes roe v wade like i mean come on <laughs> yeah oh my god <laughs> like yeah. yeah so um what i also thought was interesting she talked a little bit about the process of writing this book the the power so what i didn't know and i learned is that she started this book and there was only going to be one main character Oh. And she wrote a 200,000 word novel, which is a very long novel, <laughs> and planned to have just one main character go through all kinds of stuff. She wrote the entire thing, finished it, and then was like, you know, I think that I like th- this one character has gone through so many things. Who was the one and character? So, I don't know. She didn't say. <gasps> Who do you think it is? I don't know. I mean, I was like, is it Allie? Is That's it Roxy? Because i honestly thought just like hearing the author talk about her views and about power and what power means to her Mm -hmm. i thought that she seemed very similar to the margot character Mm. so i'm wondering if she like resonates with like roxy who's like a uk right because now we've identified that roxy has a lot of similar background yeah so maybe she's like and then becomes and then becomes the Margo. Maybe. I wonder who that main character would have been. And I wonder if it would have been like a young girl aging into a, an adult. Yeah. Because that would have been fascinating. Yeah. So she wrote 200,000 words of this one character. Whoa. and then But then she was like, you know what? This character by the end is unrecognizable. I put <gasps> her through too much stuff. It's not the same as the... You can't tell who it is anymore. The character is like really... Whoa. Come unglued. And so she trashed oh, it. has it to be Allie all. She trashed it all. She threw it all out and started over. Wow. 
<laughs> I am so impressed with this woman. Yeah, she was like, she was like, this is the thing that authors have nightmares about. <laughs> like, she I love like, her. So she, I'm so she impressed. It all. She started fresh, and she was still in contact with Margaret Atwood, the author, not Margaret Thatcher, <laughs> ex prime minister, yeah. and restarted the book. And over the course of writing the book, she actually took ar- courses in archaeology. Whoa, which is really interesting. And so, you know, we haven't really talked about this yet, but the, so a big part of the book is that it's kind of framed as if it's like the story of a future author, thousands of years in the future, looking back at history and writing like a narrative about what happened in history, what they call like the cataclysm when the world changed to be like the, like the power going to women. And so she, what actually really inspired her was looking back at an ancient civilization called the Mahenjo Daro, oh. which I didn't even know anything about. And I don't I'm know anything because about I'm these a people. history major, but I didn't know about it. And I love Mesopotamia. Well, I am too. It's a Mesopotamia. So it's a an ancient city within what is now Pakistan. Okay. And um, it was built around 2500 BC. Okay. And it's just they're just excavating BC it. BC or BC? BCE. <laughs> What did I say? BC? You said BC. Oh my God. That is such an history thing. Anyway, we're moving on. No, if I said said BC instead of BCE on any of my college essays, I would have had points. Well, yeah, that's why I pointed out. Anyway, (laughs) moving on, moving on. Moving on, moving on. Um, She noticed things about the historians. Well, she was studying it as the time, at the same time that they were excavating this and they were excavating this ancient city. And she noticed that they were discovering a lot of old statues, like old little sculptures and stuff. And so they found a sculpture of a man and a sculpture of a woman in this ancient city. And they named the one about the man, the one of the man, Priest King. Oh. And they named the woman of the woman, the statue of the woman, Dancer Girl. Oh. And okay. so she really... I, thought, I really thought you were going to say Mother Eve. No, I was really no. excited. I was like ready for it. No. I was like, Mother Eve, let's go. Well, so <laughs> she... But she noticed that. And then she was like, well, that's really interesting because why would you... What? Like, yeah, why to be automatically putting those in those two categories? <laughs> so she wanted to explore the way that history kind of misremembers things. Yeah. So in this book, she actually references those two exact sculptures again. Whoa. And in the future post cataclysm society, that's now ruled by women. They call the one of the woman priestess queen and the one of the man serving boy. Oh my God. That's and so funny. So then she said this thing and I wrote it down like word for word because I was like, this is like this. I, I'm an art history major. Like, I think this, this is my shit. Like, I am so interested in this. She said, we understand our history always through the prism of today. And then we try to take, make that history back. Sorry. We understand our history always through the prism of today. And then we try to make that history back up the life that we're living now. Yeah. And rather than realizing that we've invented it based on what we think the world must always be because it is what it is now. Yeah. And so that was her point a lot of her point with this whole book is that like in the post cataclysm so society, everyone looks back and they're like, well, women must have always been in charge. Well, yeah, no. And I thought, I thought that was so funny and it's also, okay. So the book basically opens. And so the story that is being told has been written by a man mm-hmm. and he's writing it in a series of letters to a woman who just also happens to be named my own Naomi. And, 
it is her voice in the audiobook. Is it? Yeah, it is. Okay, so that's so Oh my god, I love her so <laughs> yeah. much. But like the funny thing Okay, the the line that I pulled out when she was, like, responding to him, because basically he was like, let me, like, just present, be, like, open, and it was so interesting to see, like, a male do this, because he was, like, preemptively apologizing mm-hmm. for asking her to read, like, his manuscript, Right, and I was just like, I have like been in that position yeah where i have been like asking someone to read like a like uh an article that i've written mm-hmm. and i've like i'm already like apologizing for it being yeah. like thank you so much for giving me your time i'm sorry if it's like not up to par but like yeah i would value anything and you never like hear the reverse and so like from a man doing it to a woman i thought was like so interesting yeah so that was the first thing that tipped me off in the book and I just wish they brought that into the show. I realize mm-hmm. it would have been hard, but then at the end, how she, like, after Naomi, like, reads the whole story, mm-hmm. she was like, oh, ha, 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 and, like, dismisses it as kind of... As, like, totally fictional, but she also... As I mean, totally fictional, not but... Only does oh, she and do then, that. But yeah. then she says my favorite part, she's like, a world run by men would be way better. It would be so much sexier. I know. <laughs> we've just flipped, we flipped it yeah, <laughs> we she flipped like it. makes it sexual she's, she's like, like oh all these men soldiers she's yeah. like this sounds so sexy yeah, like, oh like, my god she was like i don't need to tell you that like being captured by a group of men is like the object oh of a lot of our god. fantasies like and she's like i think that a, a like a rule a world run by men would be more peaceful yeah and more loving and they have like, i just i thought that was so i just crazy. thought that was like so fascinating because like honestly for me reading this book i really loved the book like from the get-go and mm-hmm. so for me reading this book i was like fuck yeah like i want this power like i wish like mm-hmm. i wish this would happen in real life like this would be so cool like i would love to like experience like a world like mm-hmm. where it's like the reverse yeah and, but it's like interesting because I mean her whole point is like it's not necessarily better and Mm -hmm. so you do have to like question that and so like also having it bookended by it's like kind of like some comic relief which I thought was Mm -hmm. was it just like really added to the story Mm -hmm. and so it's unfortunate the movie couldn't or the show couldn't incorporate it well maybe season two yeah season two (laughs) (laughs) we're really hoping for season two honestly yeah I am a little worried though are you worried? I am worried. What? Why? Okay. Okay. So apparently, okay. So for season two, basically the author herself, like she's been like, listen, like, and even we've said it, like, this is just basically like building up to what's going to happen. Yeah. And so if there isn't a season two, it's just going to be really unfortunate because then mm-hmm. we're not going to have this whole story. Yeah. Half the story's missing. Yeah. And I feel like the second half is like r- really where the, shit goes down. Yeah. It's the most interesting part. Yeah. It's kind of like how they did Dune. Like uh-huh. the first part of Dune, it's like fine, but yeah. it's just a whole You're setup laying the pieces. to what's going to happen. And so if we're never mm-hmm. going to get there, mm-hmm. it's just a waste of time. Anyway, but like, the, so the author's in and like Tony Collette, she's in. I feel like a lot of the oh, actors good. are in. But mm-hmm. then one thing I was reading that I totally forgot about. The writer's strike. Oh, no. Capitalism strikes again. I'm honestly (laughs) so concerned, Grace. I'm worried. But also, okay, so apparently this show had a lot... It had a lot of issues trying to get off the ground in the first place. Okay. So we should even be happy that it's here for season one. Wait, what happened? Okay, so I guess... 
so they were going to start doing this, I think, before COVID. So they were supposed to start filming this like a really, really long time ago. Oh. So they actually had like different cast members. Oh. So Tony Collette was actually not <gasps> originally part of this. What? And I know this is like a controversial opinion because I know you love Tony Collette in this role, but it was supposed to be Leslie Mann. <laughs> and honestly that's such a different interpretation of this character but i see it i mean i see it because but i'm I also feel, shocked i'm not because for me like tony collette took me a little bit like it took me a couple episodes to really like get there mm-hmm. for her because i was like i feel like she's not the same margot as in the book mm-hmm. whereas i feel she like, different whereas i feel like leslie mann is like truer to like what i envision in the book interesting yeah i mean i guess i just think of leslie mann as like a comedic character the comedic actor yeah i like leslie mann i don't know i think it's a very different interpretation i guess like that's who i was like picturing Mm. and i don't know why all right i was like that vibe matches for me okay but this is like this is really crazy and i know we didn't really talk about him but there's a character called danton and so he's the governor of washington oh yeah yeah yeah. right okay yeah he's here like opposing yeah so he's margo's so margo starts off as the mayor of seattle and then she's like you know what the power is a thing. Women are on the up. They need a representative. It's going to be me. I'm running for Senate. Yeah. And so her opponent is the governor of Washington, Danton. And he's a man who's like very much like anti-power. It's a weapon. It's equal to a gun. Let's shut it down. Right. And so we don't like him. Right. But basically pre-pandemic when they were filming the show, who they thought they were going to play that role was Rain Wilson. Do you know who that guy is? <laughs> From the office? <laughs> Dwight? <laughs> I'm just picturing Dwight and Leslie Mann. That, I know. I mean, the debate scene would have been hilarious. I know. I would have paid money to go. I know. Well, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if this would have been. I don't know. I would have loved it. But anyway, so he dropped out. But then it was going to be. Um, that would have been so good. It would have been really, really good. But then it was. Then they replaced uh, Rain Wilson with Tim Robbins. Oh, yeah. still funny. Still good. And then Tim yeah. Robbins dropped out. And then I honestly don't really know the, the new guy's this current name. current actor. No, I which don't know. I, I guess I should have looked that up. That would have been a nice thing. But I feel like that really goes to show that he's not that memorable. I mean, I think he did fine. I think that like... <laughs> he was a... Fo- okay. He was a very believable conservative governor. Yeah. <laughs> a he very, was. very, very believable politician. He was. Um, Yeah yeah but anyway oh anyway so they also had like a different like producer and director so they Mm -hmm. had um reed morano who um Mm. yeah reed morano who directed so they directed first two episodes of season one with leslie mann and um robbins no so they literally filmed started filming it no no no, they already they started filming it and then morano left under like creative differences and then they then both of those actors also left (gasps) then they got the new actors in (gasps) and got new directors and (laughs) reshot the first two episodes of season one so yeah that's why i feel like i don't feel confident that we're gonna get a season two (laughs) because i feel like we're at a writer's strike they had so much drama with season one i just like don't know if they can keep it together it's a miracle season one happened in the honestly i mean i really hope for season two though i really see this is what this is the risk though and i just feel like i don't understand why they kind of like because they definitely filmed this Mm -hmm. under the assumption they were renewed Mm -hmm. 
Like, oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's like what's so disappointing is because like this story is going to be so incomplete if they don't finish it. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I. Well, especially have. given how they leave it with that, we mentioned that debate. Oh yeah, let's go. Let's talk about this debate for a hot sack because yeah. that threw me for a loop. It really did. It was very different. So the setting is, it's a debate between the the mayor. Yeah. Um, who is tony collette yeah and the senator the, the the governor of washington yeah and the two of them are running they're opposing each other for the senate seat for the state of washington yeah and in the book there's a difference between how it's portrayed in the book and in the show yeah and we both noticed it it's at like a town hall and like so a, a town hall style debate yeah, yeah it's like a televised event and i really think the like the show really set it up very well oh, yeah, they, because yeah. Tony Klett, and I think this is why it was so triggering <laughs> because like Margot, the character was killing this debate. Like she was turning, you could see the audience like coming to her side and like she was like fielding these questions and absolutely killing it. Mm-hmm. And then she was going to win. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, well, do you want to tell it? No, you. Okay. So basically <laughs> there was like, okay. So like, I know we like brought him up a little bit, but like, Sorry. Okay. Continue. (laughs) Okay. So it basically just like becomes very dramatic and it all kind of blows out of control. So I know we talked about Joss's boyfriend um, who is intersex. So he has a skein. Um, And then Margot's political team, unbeknownst to her, Mm -hmm. decided that he was a risk factor. Right. So they basically shipped him off to this like conversion camp in Colorado. Right. And so Danton brings this up at the debate. So Margot is on stage like finding out something very like dramatic and traumatic and like we the scene before this is her kind of like forcefully releasing her power because the Mm -hmm. power does build up like this electricity builds up with like stress and tension so before the debate we see her kind of like purposely releasing it Mm -hmm. um so she gets shocked on stage and so she like turns towards danton to be like hold on a second but when she does that unfortunately all like all this power rushes out of her Mm -hmm. and she basically electrocutes danton and he's now on the ground like seizing in a fit and there's like blood coming out of his orifices and it doesn't look like he's gonna it looks really bad for him yeah Yeah, it looks really really bad but like i was just so mad because like in the book when this happens it's like literally a spark comes out of her finger and so Mm -hmm. i guess the reason why i was so mad is like this is really i just don't like where this is going yeah well also in the book there is like an um we do establish earlier in the book that Margot has a really strong control. Yeah. Of her power, stronger than it really most other people do. So there's a whole scene. And honestly, speaking of Dune, it really, really reminded me of like, Oh my God, Dune the box. Scene. Yeah. The box, because they basically, Oh my God, she's Timothy Chalamet. She's, she's <laughs> the whatever, the Cuisart Sazerac. She's the <laughs> Sazerac. What you mean? Oh my god! We knew, (laughs) we knew this was the drink for power. Exactly. You know, absinthe just screams power. Yeah, it screams control and power. It really does. Um, So there's like earlier in the book, there's like a whole thing where like her opponent, this guy who's the governor, is like making everyone who works for the government test to see if they have the power, and so they have to go and sit, and then they like zap you with like increasing levels of electricity. Yeah, it's like a lie detector test. Yeah, and it like causes you to like have a reaction yeah. and she goes through this whole experience and it re- 
really it just was really really making me think of the Benny Gesserit because yeah. she's like sitting there and she's like okay don't react don't react don't react it's getting more painful don't react don't react don't react it hurts a lot don't react don't react and she passes the test and yeah. she's like oh I don't have the power even though she does because she's just so masterful at controlling it yeah and so by the time they go into this debate he is goading her he is pushing her buttons he knows he's doing that because that's what you do at a political debate but like she it's a much more controlled thing in the book and i thought that that's what was what what was really really changed the whole thing because like it is just like a spark but like instead of like like stop it it's just like like, coming out unexpectedly she does like one very strategic move where she just like sticks her wrist out and just like stop it and it and sparks and then that's it yeah and it's controlling she has control Mm -hmm. and that's why i was like kind of and that's why also i'm really i need there to be a season two because i just want to know where they're going with this yeah where how is because i'm like out. i feel like honestly right now i feel cheated i feel mm-hmm. like you kind of like you did a disservice right. to this character because like you're building a strong case and a strong point and she's like getting people to her side and like now you've completely because her whole thing is like it isn't a weapon. It's, right. it's just like part of our anatomy and we need mm-hmm. to... We need to embrace we it. We need to embrace it because we can't legislate on women's bodies. Right. And I just feel like that whole point was just undermined with that. Yeah. So I feel like, honestly, if we don't get a season two, that's bullshit. Because yeah. like that needs to be... Well, it's, it's undermining not only the character, but the whole The whole argument. The whole thing. And like what the power means and like... Yeah. Yeah. No. So I think it's it's unfair if there's no season two. Yeah. Let's write a letter to Amazon Prime. And Come on, we're gonna Jeff. tell him. <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. <gasps> you better do it. We're gonna take it personally. Yeah. Well anyway, thanks for listening. We love to read these books and watch the on-screen adaptations. So if you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we also are on Instagram and TikTok, where we are making lots of really fun content. So if you want some little treats <laughs> come check us, out. check us out and honestly guys watch the power it's good it is good we need it to have more views so Let's it can get a move season the two needle. yeah we need a season two <laughs> so go watch it we are taking this personally yeah anyway thank you bye, bye. do it for margaret atwood <laughs> not margaret thatcher <laughs>